Well, last week we, uh, we talked about being the salt of the earth. Um, and we talked a little bit about how Jesus um, told us that we're, we're, the, we're to be the salt of the earth. Uh, today's going to be a little different. Uh, last week we, we kind of looked at a mineral. Uh, I guess the, the message that the Lord's laid on my heart for this week is to follow the fowls. The fowls, the birds, F-O-W-L-S. And I think that's important that we are able to learn. Uh, it's really strange. Brother Joe's uh, Sunday school lesson this morning was about a fish. Uh, <laughs> had a lot to do with the fish. And uh, I think Sister Linda said that, you know, we, we can, a, a lot to learn here. And there, there are things we can learn from nature. And, um, and, and Jesus kind of told us that. Um, if you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and look at verse 26 through verse 29. Matthew chapter 6 verses 26 through 29. And when you find your place, if you'll please stand with me as we read uh, these few verses. Matthew 6 verses 26 through 29. The Bible says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for, for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all, of his glory, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word, Lord, for the examples that we can find deep in, in, in the, uh, the pages and the recesses, Father, of your holy word. Open our understanding to it now and speak to us in a special way. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Following the fowls, you know, Jesus said very clearly there, and, and, and I know some of you are probably thinking, well, he's going to talk about God's provision and how God provides for his own, but that's not what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> you can say I might be taking this a little out of context, but I'm not really because behold the fowls, that's what Jesus said, and I want to look at that first part right there, but, you know, the, script, the scripture itself often points to nature as illustrations for us to follow, and, and wisdom. You know, a lot of preachers like to take sports and sports things and, and try, to, try, to, try to make that part of, of, uh, of their message and say, well, you know, it, it takes this and it takes that. But I'm not one of those people. I'm not a big sports fanatic. Uh, never was. I was a little bit in high school, but not a whole lot. Uh, I'd rather take what the Word of God says. I know Paul referred to our Christian walk as a race. We're running a race. But, but I think Jesus was here, in here was telling us a very special story. And I think giving us a very good lesson that we can learn. Uh, but the scripture often points to nature. And I think that's an important part. Uh, Brother Joe mentioned it this morning where the, the disciples, or Peter was one that was really looking hard to, to have to pay their taxes. And Jesus said, go down and you know, cast your line out or catch the first fish that comes up and pull the coin out of his mouth. So Jesus used nature itself uh, to increase the faith of, of Peter, as we learned in Sunday school this morning. Uh, and, and so here Jesus is telling them to behold the fowls. And Jesus said, he said two different things throughout this passage. He said, behold the fowls, and he said also, consider the lilies in verse 28. 
Solomon uh, directed the sluggard to go to the uh, and consider the ant back in Proverbs chapter 6 verses 6 to 11. He said, go to, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. So we can, we can gather a lot of wisdom, we really can, from the things that God's created. Um, and you know, one of the things that really bothers me is in creation, one of God's promises that he gave us was from the rainbow. Well, that rainbow belongs to us. It belongs to the Christian. Okay, folks, that's where it, that, that God gave it to us. And we need to hold on to that and claim it and pull it back into our bosom and hold on to that and say, this is mine. It's, it, it's what God gave to mankind. He didn't give it to a specific group of people. He gave it to, to his people as a promise that he would never destroy the earth again by water. And we need to hold on to those promises. But that Solomon here was saying, Consider the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, be wise, uh, which having no guide or overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? And, and what he was talking there, he was talking about lazy people. He said, Don't be lazy. You have not because you don't work for it a lot of times. And a lot of it's because you don't ask. But like Brother Dale said here one Wednesday night, he's, you know, he, was, he was talking about prayer. And, and it was a very good, good lesson. If you're missing the Wednesday night, you're missing good lessons, folks. If you're missing Sunday school, you're missing a good time. If you're missing Sunday night, you're missing the Word of God. So if you can be here, be here. Be here. Um, and, and, and do what you have to do to get here. But, you know... Um, you can look up on the internet a lot of things about animals. Uh, you can find a lot about nature on the internet, uh, but you can also find a lot of it in the Word of God. But I wanted to take something that I had uh, read a long time ago, actually. I knew a little bit about this guy by the name of Robert McNish. He was a former associate superintendent of the Baltimore public school system back in 1972. But he did a lot of research on geese. You know, this is funny because when I was thinking about uh, following the fowl and, and the Lord leading me to talk about, uh, you know, the birds and how we can learn from specific birds, what do we always have on our parking lot, folks? We got a ton of geese around here. So I thought, you know, here's a good time to look up the geese and what they do and, 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 and some lessons that we can learn from that. But Robert McNesh did a huge study. You can look it up. It's on the Internet. Uh, and he talks a lot about geese. So what I wanted to do today is I wanted to take some of the information that he gives people that, that, that they teach their people in business a lot of times, some of these, these uh, traits that you can get from animals as well. Uh, and, uh, and we can take those same things and apply them to our life as Christians and we can grow if we can just learn to listen to what God says in his word and how we can even gather thoughts from nature itself and what they do to help us to be stronger Christians and it's amazing when you think about geese I thought about doing ducks any of you ever seen the movie Mighty Ducks about the, the hockey team when I was younger, I loved that, that show. It's a good movie. If you want to watch a movie, look up, look up the movie Mighty Ducks, and it's about this, this, uh, this team. There we go. I'm getting into sports. But, <laughs> but anyway, they were the underdogs, and they ended up going all the way to the Olympics, and they end up uh, winning because, you know, they, 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 they flew together, they said, because ducks fly together. Well, you know what? We need to have the same motto. As Christians, we need, to, we need to fly together. We've got things we've got to get done in our church. And that's, that wall, it's just, 
It's right in the right place because I got really good peripheral vision. Uh, and, and my doctor told me that a long time ago. I can see Joe sitting over and not even look at him. It's just weird. I, I don't know because my eyes are sunk back or what. But, but I'm able to see Joe sitting there. If I kind of look over this way, I can see Joe and Ron both sitting there. So you can't sneak up on me too well. And, and my eye doctor told me that one time. He said I had uh, peripheral vision like nobody ever seen. I could see my hand back here wiggling like that. It's weird. But I don't know if I have eyes in the back of my head. My kids thought I did. But anyway, back to these geese, you know, there's some things that we can apply to our relationships with one another in the church. And I wanted to take that because the geese, are, they're always around here. In the summertime, uh, in, in the spring and fall, my goodness, you can't walk on the parking lot. We almost have to go out there with a shovel and clean up their mess. But, it, but they're, they're there, and they have a purpose in life. And I think a lot of the purpose in nature is to teach us lessons. I mean, it really is, because there's so much we can learn from this. For example, consider a lesson number one from geese. Geese practice what they call synergy, S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y, synergy. And what synergy is, synergy is the interaction of two or more agents or forces so that their combined effect is greater than the sum of their individual effects. In other words, two different things that cannot do the same amount that when they're brought together, they're stronger. They're stronger when they come together. And as a church, we, not, we need to realize we've got to practice that synergy in our lives. And when you're not here and you're not with the, the people of God, if you're part of this church, you know what? That synergy weakens. It gets weaker. Because, you know, we depend on, on, on the people of our church to come to church uh, when the doors are open as much as possible. But uh, the, one of the, I'll give you a couple of facts, and then I'm going to give you some lessons off of those facts. And these facts, you can look them up. They're online. As each geese flaps its wings, when they're flying together in, in this V shape, and some of you probably all already know some of this stuff, if you've ever been in a leadership position, so they teach this stuff. But as each, geese, each goose flaps its wings, it creates an uplift. So when their wings are going up and down, as they go down, that wind from the one in front of them goes back, and it creates an uplift for the geese behind them. And that's why they fly in that V shape as well, because there's more strength in that as they're flying. But it creates an uplift for the birds to follow. And by, by flying in that V formation, the whole flock adds 71% greater distance in their flight. Think about that. 71, they can go 71% longer and farther, as long as they're flapping in that V shape. Isn't that something to think about? How many Christians in our church are not flapping their wings? Last week we talked about being the salt and being the salty saints. This week I'm talking to you about being a goose. <laughs> be a Christian goose, folks. But, but don't be one on your own. You cannot be an island to yourself. No man is an island to himself. We are stronger when we're together. There is strength in numbers. I mean, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Are we going to have disagreements? Absolutely. Are we going to agree on everything? Absolutely not. That's never going to happen. But as long as we do everything that is Christ-centered, folks, we are going to be a strong church. I believe that with my whole heart. But they can go 71% greater flying range than if each one flies alone. Don't try to fly. Don't try to, don't try to go through this life by yourself, folks. Depend on your church. You know, I, I, we've got a lot of widow ladies in our church who really depend, I think, on the things in the church. They get together every Friday. They have their Bible study. Shame on us men. We don't do that kind of stuff. But the ladies, they put us to shame, men. They really do, if you think about it. I mean, and, and I remember when my father-in-law died, my mother-in-law, the only thing that kept her going for 30-some years after her husband died was the church. 
because they always had something for the widows in the church. And deacons, those of you who are deacons in our church, you know, that's, that's your responsibility to make sure that the widows are cared for. I mean, it is. That's the church's responsibility to make sure that that's happening. Pick up the phone and call them. Make sure they have what they need. And, 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 and ladies, if you're alone and you need to talk to somebody, call my wife. <laughs> you got her phone number now. It's in, it's in the thing. Call my wife. No, but you're welcome to call me as well. But, uh, but you know, we have to depend on one another. And a lot of churches don't do that. Everybody does their own thing. And one thing I don't like in churches, and I'll put a stop to it as soon as I see it, is clicks. I can't stand clicks. I can't stand, you got this group sitting over here. They, they think they're better than this group over here. Or they want the carpet to be pink. They want it to be yellow. They want it to be green, whatever. And, and people that, we got to come together, folks. We got to stay together. We got to fly together, so to speak. But the lesson to be learned here from those two facts are people who share common direction and a sense of community can, can get where they are going quicker and easier because they're traveling on the thrust of one another. We have to learn to travel on the thrust of one another. When, when, when I flap my wings, if I had any, but if I, I hate to use this as an example, but, but I, when I read through this stuff, it was really good stuff. And I think when, when Jesus said there, uh, he was talking about behold the fowls, I think he meant look at them, pay attention to them, learn from them. Not only does he provide for them, but God does provide for his church through his people. And the geese take care of one another as well. But this is also the principle of synergy, the, the principle of synergy. Two or more agents working together to produce a result not obtainable by any other agent independently. For instance, an example I'll give you, you, got, you you've heard of nitroglycerin, nitro and you got glycerin. Two different, two different um, chemicals. They're, they, when they're apart, they can't do anything. They cannot harm anything if they're apart. But I'm telling you right now, you bring them together. You bring them together, they'll bring down a building in a heartbeat. And it should be the same way with Christians. Sometimes if we're apart, we're not that strong. But when we come together, nothing should be able to break that bond between us as Christians. Absolutely nothing should be able to break that. And that's the principle of synergy. Uh, another Bible example, I'll give you a couple of those as well. In uh, Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 7, says, and, and I'm talking about two by two. Uh, folks, when you go out on the visitation program, and we need to get one of those going in our church. We don't have one right now. And I don't know when the last time it was that we had one. I'm not since my wife and I have been coming here, this church hasn't had a visitation program. And, and it's a lot different nowadays. It really is. I mean, some of the visitation programs that I was on when I was young, uh, and, and, and we were in a, a couple of churches, uh, you were able to go around and knock on a door. Nowadays, if you knock on a door, a lot of times, depending on how you do it and how you look when you get up to that door, honestly, somebody's going to pull a gun on you. And it's sad to say we live in a world where that's that th the way things are coming. Uh, there was a time you could take a track and put it on somebody's uh, windshield. You touch somebody's car nowadays, folks, there's going to be an alarm go off. Somebody's going to spit on you, hit you upside the head with a pop bottle. Something's going to happen. Yeah, so we've got to come up with ways to start visitation programs uh, that are going to help our church to grow and get us out into the community. Uh, I, I get them, uh, you know, it kind of gets on, it, it kind of embarrasses me, embarrasses me once in a while uh, when I'm crossing the bridge over here going back and forth from Huntington to Proctorville to church things when I see another church van from Huntington coming over here picking up people that can come to our church. It does. It, it bugs me. It does. It bothers me just a little bit. That, that makes me wonder, you know, what are we doing we're not flying together too well if we're not able to go out and pick up a few people and bring them into our church. But uh, uh, 
Jesus said in Mark, what it talks about in Mark 6, 7, it wasn't Jesus talking. It says, and he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Now, if they went out on their own, they wouldn't have had that power. But they, they went out in twos. Should always be two people going together. Anytime you go out on the visitation program, got to be two. I remember that's the way it was when I, when I was younger and we went out on a lot of visitation things. Back when you were able to do that and not get in trouble or somebody called the law on you because you knocked on their door or you touched up against their car, you could, there was a time you could do that. But I'm telling you, it takes two people, not just one. That's why I've already made it a, you know, a pat in my own life. And my dad told me this years ago, when you meet with somebody, meet with two. Have, have, ha, always have a witness, son. And I've always tried to do that in business or in, in church matters. Uh, which, and, and that's why we talk about these things. In Luke 10, verse 1, it says, After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. In other words, he brought up 70 people at this time and sent them two and two before uh, his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. He sent them forth ahead of him. And that's why he did that. And he sent them out in twos, not, by, not one at a time. Now, Jesus himself, being God, he could do that. You know, he talked to the woman at the well. By himself. And that was okay because he was God. He was God. But we as Christians, we need to do things together. We got to come together. Acts 13, 2 also tells us, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. He called them together. Two people. When my wife and I went to the Philippines, I didn't go by myself. When I went over to visit, I went with a group of men. And we went over there and we wanted to spread the gospel. Uh, and, 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 and that's why we went out by twos. Always by twos. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. In other words, there's strength in numbers. There's strength in numbers. And, and if you go out here on your own and you try to be an island by yourself, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You've got to have God's people working together to get the job done. So we need to appreciate the wisdom of flocking together as God's people when we come to church. And closely related to that is lesson number two, which says geese benefit from mutual edification. They benefit from mutual edification. When a goose falls out of formation, when they're flying in that V form, and you hear that honking going on, uh, it's kind of a funny sound. But you ever notice when you hear that and you're outside, first thing you do is you look up at the sky. And you're looking for those geese up in the sky. And, and, but it, it suddenly feels, when, when one goose falls out of line, it begins to feel the drag or the resistance of flying by itself. When, you, when you're not in church, your life is going to be harder to live as a Christian. You're more susceptible. I'm telling you, you're going to be more susceptible to the sin that's around you if you try to handle it on your own because you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't. You, it's, it's impossible. And also that goose, it quickly moves back into formation to take advantage of that lifting power of the birds immediately in front of them when they flap their wings because it's uplifting. When you come to church, you should be lifted up. And when you leave here, that you should still be at that point where you're with somebody else in prayer, if nothing else. Stay in touch over the phone. Do what you have to do. Stick together, folks. We've got to stick together as a church. And nothing should be able to break that bond whatsoever when that happens. Um, so if, if, if we have as much sense as a goose has, we stay in formation and we head in the direction that the others are going. And where are we going, folks? Where are we go we're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. And nothing is going to take that away. 
We, we're here to know Him, to make Him known to other people. And we got to do that together. Not just one person. Not just one. So, we are willing, we have to be willing to accept each other's help. One person can't do everything. And sometimes, I've been in churches where it seems like there's only one or two people that do everything. There's jobs, folks, I'm telling you, for everybody. There, there's always something. If you want something to do, we'll make something up. Because it's there. There's always something for people to do. I mean, don't ever think that you're just an island to yourself and you've got to do this all by yourself because you can't. And I'm going to tell you right now as your pastor, I can't do this on my own. I won't even try to do this on my own. If I don't have the support of my deacons, my associates, and my church family, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be out here in the front of the, of the, of the geese trying to lead them in the right direction unless I've got those behind me that can, can, can honk at me once in a while and say, hey, brother, keep it going. Hey, brother, keep it going. We need to be encouraging to one another. There's got to be encouragement. And if you ever notice when them geese are, are flying, that one out front, he don't honk very often. It's the ones behind him that's honking at him and telling him, keep going, keep going. So when you hear that honk, honk from them geese, I can't make a goose sound, but when they make that sound, that's what they're doing. They're encouraging the one in front of them to keep flapping those wings because if that one in front stops flapping and they just start to soar, there's no uplifting draft from the one for the ones behind them. It makes it easier for you as a Christian when you begin to honk at the people in front of you and encourage them to go on for Christ. You got to keep on going. We got to be willing to accept the help of those who are in front of us or who's behind us. And if you if somebody's looking at you and you're not flapping your wings and lifting them up, so to speak, then that person behind you is going to fall. They're going to fall out of formation. And when someone falls out of formation, when one hurts, we should all hurt. Strong Christians appreciate the value of mutual edification. We have got to mutually edify one another. And, and I remember my dad when he was a pastor. I remember multiple times I'd seen my dad depressed. I'd seen him discouraged. Because there was always something in the church that brought him down. And, and it used, I hate to say it, it's usually because people just, I don't know. Uh, I do know, but I don't know. But, but I won't share a lot of it with you because a lot of it's, you know, it's just you know, sometimes you just fight the devil and, uh, and, and, and his angels. I know the devil's not omnipresent. He's, om, he's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. Uh, he's not almighty. God's the only one that's almighty. But I'm telling you, it don't take much for a person to get down. And, and you got to have that mutual edification. So I'm telling you all right now, if you ever get to the point where you're feeling down, pick up the phone. Call your pastor. I'll listen to you. And I know a lot of people say, well, I, I don't know if you're busy or not. Well, I don't care if I am busy. If I'm in the middle of a conference call, I'll hang up on it. I don't care. You guys are more important to me than my job. I'll tell you that right now. You are, every one of you. It's um, this calling that God has put in, in, in my path at this time in my life is the most important thing in my life. It has to be because it's a higher calling. And when God asks you to do something as an individual, every one of you, whatever God's asking you to do, that's, that's a very high calling. When God says do this, that's more important than when that paycheck says do this because it's, 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 it's a better reward. But Hebrews 13, verses 12 and 14 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief 
In our church, folks, if we have somebody that you think has an evil heart of unbelief, you've got a responsibility. It says, in departing from the living God. He says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The easiest thing, the, 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 the one reason a lot of people get into sin, and, and one reason our churches, since COVID hit, have not grown back the way they were, is because the Christian got a taste of the sin out there. Because they, didn't, they weren't coming together any longer. Why? Because we listened to the government instead of God. When they said you can't meet no more. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, if the government says we don't meet, I'll be behind this pulpit anyway. Plain and simple. I'm coming to church. If you all want to follow the government, that's your decision. But I'm going to be right here behind this pulpit. If, he, if they say don't do that, I'm going to be right here. They cannot tell me what to do. Plain and simple. To obey God is better than to obey man. Plain and simple. I will not obey the government no more. No more. That day, those days are over in my life. He says, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the Lord. Where do we get confidence from? We get it from the Word of God. We get it from prayer. But we also get it from one another, folks. We've got to learn to be confident in one another. And we've got to be able to lead the people that are following behind us by keeping our wings in motion for the Lord Jesus Christ, giving that uplifting draft, edifying one another in the Word of God and together in prayer. Folks, I'm going to tell you, the thing I need the most from you people is prayer. I need a ton of prayer. I, I pray for myself as much as I can, but I also pray for those around me. And I don't, I, honestly, I'm going to tell you, it, I, it's hard for me to bow my knee and pray for myself, but I know I've got to do it. I've got to ask God for help because it's hard. Um, mutual education occurs within the context of our local churches, and it should be the strongest thing that we have together is being able to lift one another up and edify one another and say, you know what? So-and-so looks like they're down today. I need to go talk to them, or I need to pick up the phone and call them. And I'm going to tell you, I'm bad about that. I'm, I'm probably the worst at it in my life. I spent my whole life just about on the phone. And, and I'm, gonna lie, I'm not going to lie, I hate cell phones. I can't stand them. I don't like them at all. If I didn't need to have one, I wouldn't have one because I think they're a pain. I don't like cell phones. I don't like phones, period. That's my wife. If, my, if, our, if our boys call home, they don't call me. They call mom because mom will talk longer. Dad won't talk that long. I'm, I'm not a big talker when it comes to a phone. Um, but, but, I mean, if, if, if somebody needs to talk, I'll talk with them, plain and simple. I'll make the time. But where, whereas a group of geese, you know, the church... They, they, they come together uh, in the context of the local church, whereas a group of geese are called either, they're called a, a, a skein or skine in flight, or a, a, when they're on the ground, they're called a gaggle. But a group of Christians called together are called a church. We're called a church. And what is a church? A church is God's people gathering together with, a, with mutual, mutually edifying one another in the word of God. So, along with that, number three, geese share the burden. They share the burden. When the lead goose gets tired, sometimes they just rotate out. They rotate out. So, brothers, if I get tired up here, we may play tag team one day. <laughs> we'll tag team this pulpit if we have to, but we're going to be behind this pulpit. And I'm telling you, if you're on our team at this church and you don't want to be here, when the government says don't be here, then I'll, I'll take you off my team, plain and simple. Because I'm, I'm not going to listen to them no more. I'm not doing it. 
But when the lead goose gets tired, sometimes they'll rotate round and round in formation. Uh, it's kind of like in bicycling, they call it pace lining. When somebody, if you go on a bicycle trip with somebody, the person behind, the person out front starts getting tired, they'll pace it. They'll take, they'll take turns. But, um, but anyway, as with geese, people are, are, in, are interdependent on each other's skills, capabilities, and unique arrangements of gifts, talents, and resources. Folks, we got talented people in this church who aren't using their talents. Believe it or not, we have them. We have people in our church, I believe, who have talents, and they're not using those talents. If you've got a talent that needs to be used, use the talent. Use it for the Lord. Give it to God. I'm telling you, if you don't use it, God will take it away. There's that old saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. It happens. It happens. So as with geese, people are interdependent on each other's skills. As a member of the body of Christ, we are to do our part. Ephesians 4.16 says, For whom the whole body... Talking about the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. When, when you have a part of your body that hurts, your whole body hurts. You know that? It, it, even if it's something like an ingrown toenail or an ingrown fingernail, if you, if you pull out a hangnail out of your finger, I've done that. I'm and it, it, it'll get infected and it hurts. If you want to keep the infection out of our church, be here. <laughs> be a church folks I'm telling you um, it goes on it says according to the effectual working in the measure of every part every part everybody in our church has got the, it's, we're, we are a living organism folks the church is a living organism that has to stay alive and if one part of that organism begins to decay or fall apart what's going to happen to our church What's going to happen to our church? And you know what? We have ministries within our church that everybody can get involved in. I mean, we, right now we've, we've got Camp Jerry things going on. We've got things going on with the kids, the, 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 the master club, the teens, etc. And there's always something for somebody to do. Get involved in something. Get involved in something. But that don't mean not come to the church service. When the doors are open and we're having a, a worship service, you need to be in this, in this auditorium. Plain and simple. You've got to be in here with God's people. That's part of the responsibility of God's people is to be in here when we're preaching the word of God, when we're singing the praises of Jesus. We need to be together doing that. Amen. There is no such thing as an island unto itself. You cannot do it. You can't do it. Too often, uh, uh, brothers or sisters, they burn out because other brothers and sisters won't help out. Amen. There's something for all of us to do. If you get tired of doing something, somebody else can pick up the slack for a while. If somebody needs help, go to if you if you want something to help some you want to help Sister Darlene out, go ask her. What can I do to help you? No, I mean same thing. It works it works every way you can think of it. You want to help out up, up, up at Camp Jerry? Go talk to Brother Dave, or talk to talk to, to uh, Caitlin. You know they, they take care of that stuff up there. Um. Number four, geese also encourage those who lead. The geese flying in formation honk. I told you just a while ago, they honk to encourage those in front of them to keep up their speed. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. What's well, easy to get dropped out? It's unlikely to, that, that they're complaining about uh, going the wrong way when they're, when they're saying that. They're just saying, keep on going. Keep it going. We need to make sure a honking is encouraging. It's got to be encouraging, folks can't be always tearing down. We've got to be encouraging to one another. 
In groups where there is encouragement and production, the, the production is much greater. The power of encouragement uh, to stand by one another's, uh, one's heart and core values and encourage the heart to, uh, and, and the core of others, it's a quality of honking uh, that we're seeking. We're looking to encourage one another. Don't give up. Now, don't ever think you're too old to be in church. You're not. You're not. Unless you're bed fast or you're, you're, there's something wrong with you and you can't get out or you can't get out of the bed or whatever, you can't drive. The Lord understands certain things and so do I. And so does the rest of our brothers and sisters. But when you can be here, you need to be here. But uh, such should be the purpose of word, the word honking, to build up others. So every now and then honk at somebody, will you? Pick up the phone and just pick If you call me one day and say honk, I'm going to say ha! <laughs> they heard me. <laughs> Now I'm going to get text tomorrow or something that says honk, 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 honk. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, such should be the purpose of that word. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. We should never say things to tear one another down in this church. It should never happen. It shouldn't happen. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, salty saints. Now, if you're a goose, don't put salt on your tail. They say if you put salt on the tail, they can't fly. So, <laughs> but uh, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. So to give a bumper sticker, uh, another meaning, honk if you love Jesus. <laughs> uh, number six, geese care for one another. They take care of one another. And that's what we got to do in the local church, folks. We got to take care of each other. Fact is, when a goose gets sick, wounded, or shot down, believe it or not, two of the other geese will drop out of formation and they will follow them down. They'll follow them down to the ground and they'll stay with that other goose that's been hurt or got sick until it can either fly again or it's dead. They won't leave it. They'll fight for it. That's the way we've got to be as God's people. And somewhere along the line, I believe it started happening in 1962 when they started taking the Bible out of schools and the churches sat idly by and did nothing about it. When those who began to fall around there, they didn't stay with them. They didn't stay with it. They gave up. And shame on us if that's what we're doing. They, they stay with it until that, person, that, that other goose dies or fly, is able to fly again. And then they launch out with another formation or they catch up with the one that, they left, that, that left them behind. They don't give up, folks. They don't give up. So I guess the lessons to learn from this is if we have as much sense as geese do, we will stand by each other in difficult times. And I think we're going to see them. I really do. I think we're going to see difficult times. And they stick together when it's hard and when it's easy. When they're weak and when they're strong, they stay together. And that's what we've got to learn from this. Another benefit is, is, is working together. If we stay together, uh, a duty of, of a spiritual, uh, we've we got to stick together encouraging one another in the duties of our spiritual brothers and sisters. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, For if they fall, when they go out in two, if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. If, if you're alone, if you decide not to come to church and you're out there by yourself, 
and sin, sin rises up its ugly head and you have a thought to hold on to it, that's your fault. That's your fault because you didn't come to church when you should have been in church. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, don't go by yourself. If you know a brother or sister in Christ who has fallen by the wayside, living in sin, it, you don't go to them by yourself. Take another brother or another sister with you and consider the fact that you could also fall into the same sin that they're caught up in if you're not careful. I told you the story before and I'll tell it to you again the, about the pastor who wanted to go talk to this witch in the town that he lived in and, and he didn't want nobody else to go with him. I can handle this. Didn't take no deacons. Didn't take his wife. What happened? He ran off with her. He got caught up in that wicked evil sin, that lust of the eye. She seduced him and he fell for it. Why? Because he went alone. Don't do it alone. Work together as a church, folks. That's what we've got to do. You know, by instinct, God gave geese the wisdom to succeed in, in their flight pattern and their migration going together. He gave them that. That's God instinct, folks. That's not Mother Nature. There's no such thing as Mother Nature. It's not in the Word of God. It's Father God, not Mother Nature. It's not Mother Nature. It's Father God. But he gave, them, he gave them that wisdom. And by the word of God and by his creation, God gives us wisdom that we need to use to succeed in our spiritual journey every single day. None of us can do it alone. None of us can do it alone. I depend on my wife for a ton of stuff. I really do. Um, and I depend on my church family. I have to. We have to depend on one another. We've got a huge project going on up at Camp Jerry. Let's not leave it to one or two people. Let's get involved if you can. But don't forget, Camp Jerry's not our only ministry, folks. That's not our only ministry. Is it important? Yeah, it's important. Is it the most important? No, it's not the most important. Most important is being here in the church. We don't have Camp Jerry, but what, three months out of the year, two months out of the year? Two months out of the year. We have church every Sunday. We have church every Wednesday. Camp Jerry is two months out of the year. And that's part of our mission field. And we're never going to give that up. God willing. Same way we're not going to give up church. God willing. Until he raptures us out of, this, out of the church. Out of this earth. Or he calls us home. One of the two. Be strong folks. Keep flapping your wings and keep honking to the people in front of you. Encouragement. It's got to be there. It's got to be there. But don't think for one minute you can be an island by yourself. You can't do it. You'll either get caught up in the sin you're trying to stop or something's going to happen. You can't do it alone. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your precious word. I pray, Heavenly Father, today that you would uh, speak to hearts. And Lord, that you'd continue to speak to my heart for it needs it. Lord, none of us can do this alone. And we can, certainly cannot do it without you, without your help. So, Father, you're in the lead, Jesus. You're the one that's out front. Help us to follow. And may we clap our wings for the people behind us. And, Lord, may we always give a word of encouragement. We ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.